Hello and welcome to the Compatible You podcast, where we speak weekly about all things women's health in an attempt to break the stigma of what makes us, us. I just wanted to start this podcast by saying how excited I am that I've finally got this podcast up and running. As I'm sure so many of you would know how easy it is to doubt yourself and, you know, just talk yourself out of something completely. It's always easier to make a list of all the ways you might fail in your head and just brush over the ways that, you know, you might actually smash it and do amazing. I'm so glad that I eventually stopped all the doubtful thoughts because I think that, you know, in especially today's episode, I'm talking about topics and areas that I didn't ever really hear about when I was a teenage girl trying to navigate my way through the body changes, you know, which happen um, when you get your period. Like... Talking back to when I was going through puberty um, and my head was, you know, spinning with doubts, with uncertainty and just plain, you know, what the actual fuck is going on with my body? I didn't really have anywhere to find those answers that I was looking for. I mean, you know, there was always Google and the weird sex ed lessons we had in high school, but they were so clinical and, you know, just, you know, really sterile. Like there was no substance to the information found. There were no real, you know, experiences for me to relate to. And I guess like we talked about in the very first episode of the Compatible You podcast about the period stigma, you know, it it just created this huge cloud of stigma and shame um, inside of me. And, you know, I just didn't feel comfortable at all to talk about what was going on with me. And I guess, you know, just speaking up about things that I thought weren't quite right and just really having no understanding of what was happening to me. So, yeah, I just wanted to start by saying how passionate I am about creating this platform and using it um, to promote awareness about these sort of topics and hope that the episodes can really resonate with young girls and, you know, just any woman who might not have had this kind of platform or outlet when they may have been, you know, trying to navigate through the crazy journey of puberty and beyond and all the body changes which happen with it. I guess I wanted to start by going back to when I was younger, you know, those early high school days where, you know, one day I was going about my days normally without a care in the world. Then the next, my period hit me in the face like a steam train and I had no idea why I was feeling all these things, you know, especially for me, um, you know, struggling with not being able to do my PE lessons because I literally thought that if I was going to kick a ball or run or do any kind of sport that my uterus was literally going to fly out of me from the pain I was experienced from cramps or, you know, not being able to understand why I was crying over really stupid things like my brother eating the leftover dinner I had saved all, you know, all day. I was so excited for it that, you know, no, actually that still happens. You know, if someone steals my food, it's pretty traumatic, but you know what I mean? Like all these things were happening to me and I couldn't understand why for the life of me. I had absolutely no explanation as to why my boobs were hurting so much, why my stomach felt like I was being like sliced by Wolverine. You know, I, I didn't know why I was moody or actually what was happening when I had my period each month. Like I knew this thing was happening and I know, you know, it's the, you know, mark of womanhood, but what does the mark of womanhood even mean? 
And, you know, I thought about this for some time, you know, throughout my um, younger life and, you know, now that I've got more of an understanding of my period and, you know, trying to help people understand theirs. And that's, I guess, a reason how I got this, the inspiration for this episode. And so what this episode is, is this episode is dedicated to answering all those questions about why we experience certain symptoms during our periods and also like leading up to them. I want to help young girls um, who might be listening. Um, so if, you know, you've got young women in your life going through these changes, you might be a teacher um, and you're, I guess, trying to navigate, um, trying to help your students through these kind of weird times, like helping them understand their periods and what's going on. You know, I just wanted to, um, to give something to these young women to help them, you know, just understand what's happening, managing their changing body and to, I guess, have a bit more of an understanding about exactly what is going on in their bodies. And, you know, I, I did want to remind you that this podcast aimed to explore those ideas um, around the symptoms, what causes them, what we can do with them, and just really present general information. And I want to stress that literally no podcast replaces professional medical advice. I want to stress that if you are concerned that something isn't quite right or you just want some more specific advice, please seek out a trusted health professional. There are people out there that's going to help you. All right, so with that all covered, let's crack on. So it was really hard for me to narrow this all down. I feel like I could have researched this for days and days and seriously talked endlessly about the symptoms and what happens during our periods, you know, what the symptoms mean, how they can affect you, et cetera, et cetera. But luckily, I, I do feel like I've narrowed it down enough by looking back to I'm really using my personal experiences as a teenage girl and like some of the more, I guess, prominent symptoms that stood out to me when I looked back on my teenage years and yeah, hope that it can resonate with some of the younger listeners out here. So how this podcast is going to work is I'm going to talk about the symptom itself um, what type of, uh, sorry, what time of the month, um, it is likely to occur. You know, you're likely to experience these symptoms. Um, I'm going to look at why it is we experience these symptoms as well as I'm going to be offering some advice on how to best manage the symptoms. I've also listed some um, great resources in the description below. If you did want to read more about the symptoms or if there was a younger woman in your life that may be going through these things that so you might want to send um, the links to her or even um, just go through the links with them to kind of, yeah, show them that it's okay to talk about these things. And there are people out there who do understand what's going on and that they're not alone. Alrighty. So drum roll, please, for the first symptom we may experience during our period, and that is cramps. Now, cramps, and I guess I guess a lot of the symptoms I'm going to be talking about here are really subjective. So, you know, some people are going to experience symptoms very differently and, you know, at different severities. So just take this, um, take from this what you will. Um, so menstrual cramps, menstrual cramps, <laughs> menstrual cramps often start anywhere between three to five days before you have your period and can unfortunately stay around whilst you do have your period. It just kind of wants to join the period party, I guess. Like, oh, yay, us. God damn it. Anyway, now, why, dear God, why do we experience cramping? Okay, so firstly, the menstrual cycle, I want to just um, 
like clarify that it's a quite a complicated um, process in our body and it does have a lot of different elements to it. So I'm just trying to simplify it and I'm just going to talk the basics with you. All right. So cramps are felt because during our period, what happens is our uterus contracts and it like squeezes. So fun fact, I'm going to diverge a little bit. Um, the uterus is actually a muscular organ, so it has the ability to contract. So I'm just going to use this example to kind of paint the picture of how the uterus contracts, but it's kind of similar to how your, I guess your a bicep muscle contracts during a bicep curl, you know, sort of. I've used that analogy to just give you the idea of what happens to the uterus when you feel cramps. So the uterus, um, it, it, it contracts the way it does because when it contracts, what it's doing is squeezing and helping to push that blood out of the vagina, which we experience during our period. I, you know, <clears throat> I wish I could look at cramping, you know, in a more positive light, you know, yay, it's helping us, you know, it's getting all the blood out, but no, they still suck very much. Um, and the uterus is able to actually contract and cramp because of a hormone, um, which is called the prostaglandins. Now, prostaglandins are in, they're involved in a lot of body functions, mainly in processes such as inflammation and pain, which is, you know, why they're associated to cramps. Now, anyone can experience period cramps. However, there actually has been some research conducted which shows that there are certain risk factors which actually may make you more susceptible or, I guess, more likely to experience period cramping. And some of these include um, the individual's gotten their period at a younger age um, or the individual has, um, you know, had longer or heavier periods, um, you know, predominantly through their cycles. There's also some research to suggest that genetics actually plays a role in um, someone's susceptibility susceptibility to cramping showing that those with relatives um who experience cramping you know they're probably going to be more susceptible so I guess if your mum experienced crampings um your grandma cousin aunties you know all those um Excuse relations me. oh sorry Siri's just trying to talk on the podcast uh, but yeah so if you yeah have a relative that does experience cramps you are more susceptible to experience them as well unfortunately Another risk factor um, is smoking. So research is showing that smoking is also seen to increase um, the likeliness of you experiencing cramping. All right. So let's leave the doom and gloom of cramping behind us. And now let's look at how we can best manage our period cramps. All right. The first one I want to talk about, which we might not be too excited about, is um, the weekend exercise. All right. Hear me out. I know when you have cramps, one of the last things you want to be doing is exercising. I totally get that. Trust me. But a lot of the research um, is emerging, which shows the benefits associated with more of the low impact style exercising and its ability to help reduce the pain of period cramps. So I get like the positive is we don't need to be doing that high intensity exercise, you know, the sprinting, the jumping or anything like that. When we say, you know, the low impact exercise, we're talking light walking, we're talking swimming, yoga, you know, the more chilled out exercises that are just getting us moving nicely. We're not gassing ourselves in the gym. We're not working out to exhaustion. We're just moving nicely and simply. 
And the reason why exercise has been linked to reducing those cramps um, is the fact that exercise helps with those endorphins flow that we've all heard about. And when we exercise and those endorphins are flowing, it can help keep those prostaglandins, what we talked about earlier at bay, kind of ease them up a little bit and stop them from, I just, I guess, being exacerbated and causing you the more intense pain. Secondly, we can make heat our friend. So what I mean by this is that we can use things like heat packs or a hot water bottle or even just something as simple as having a nice warm shower. And the reason why heat does help to reduce period pain is because the heat actually helps to relax the muscles of the uterus. So remember what we said earlier, the uterus is a muscular organ. So, you know, it's contracting, it's angry because it needs to push out that blood, all that kind of stuff. So with a relaxed uterus from the heat, it means that there's going to be more blood flow to the uterus and that can help reduce um, and ease the pain a little bit. Another thing we can do to help our cramps is we might be able to utilize um, over-the-counter medications. So over-the-counter medications might be necessary, um, and that includes stuff such as the naprogesic um, pill, um, you know, the anti-inflammatory style medications. But remember, you definitely should always be seeking um, medical guidance to see if that option is appropriate for you. And to be honest, we've got all these physical things we can be doing, but I really think the most important thing we can do when it comes to cramping is we need to be speaking up if we're in pain or if we're not coping with symptoms. This is a way that we can, you know, work together to reduce that stigma and shame and really normalize speaking up about period problems, period cramps, stuff like that. We really, I'm, I'm just really passionate about helping us as women stop living in shame and realize that, you know, period pain is a real bloody thing and it sucks sometimes. So I cannot stress enough the need to seriously be kind to yourself and talk to others about it. Your body's working hard and if you need a break, take it. We don't always need to be pushing through things, you know, pushing through pain, pushing things to the side, trying to be tough. Take a breath and, you know, let's just take a step back. On that, um, I, just, I just want to highlight that, you know, severe cramping and pain is not something that should ever be normalized. We seriously shouldn't have to push through the pain and think that, you know, seeping, seeking help isn't an option or it's the weak option. I seriously feel like as women, we often feel like if we talk about something that hurts or something that is uncomfortable, we'll just be seen as, you know, weak and, you know, we have that kind of, oh, I'm a damsel in distress type scenario, especially when it comes to our periods. You know, I, I seriously don't know if it's just not quite understanding how our periods affect us or, you know, men just might be adapting that, you know, pushing that toughness um, mentality onto us that makes us think that speaking up about a period troubles um you know is hard and we're not going to be listened to but we just we need to start changing the narrative we need to change a narrative from being ashamed about our pain and our period problems because if something isn't right if something hurts we are the ones who know our bodies best better than anyone else and we need to bloody well speak up all right so we talked about cramps. Now, what's the next symptom we want to talk about? So another symptom I want to talk about is tender breasts. 
So when I say tender breasts, you know, the bloody pain where you walk into something and it's like, it's not like you're at, at like running at a wall or something. You literally just brush past a wall and, you know, you hit your breasts and you need to stop yourself from swearing the building down. I seriously don't know what's with that. Like, why do our boobs feel so bloody rock hard and tender during different times of the month? Well, no more sitting awkwardly, not being able to speak about our tender breasts, because this is a symptom we're going to talk about next. So breast tenderness, it generally happens during the second half of a period. And so the second half of a period is going to be days 14 to 28. So, you know, the typical um, menstrual cycle lasts um, between one to 28 days. But again, remember that, you know, that is typical, but... Um, Periods lasting longer or shorter are normal as well. It's all um, like relative. It's all individualized. So I'm going to just talk about the typical cycle. So it's going to be days 14 to 28. And the reason we do have this breast tenderness is thanks to our bloody hormones. So there are many um, different hormones involved in the regulation of our periods. Uh, I'm just going to talk about the two of the most common ones, uh, which are spoken about, which um, are the ones that typically affect our breasts. And those ones are good old estrogen and progesterone, which I'm sure most of you have heard. So during that second half of our periods, so the days 14 to 28, of our periods, the estrogen and progesterone increase in concentration in our bodies, which can affect our bodies in a few different ways. So, you know, if you're reading through the lines, yes, estrogen and progesterone are the hormones which can affect our breasts, and this can cause them to feel tender and sore. So why is that? Well, it has, it's got to do with how the hormones affect our breast ducts and our milk glands, so the structures within our breasts. Because in our breasts, we have those structures called the breast ducts and estrogen can cause those breast ducts, breast ducts, not ducts that quack, breast ducts to enlarge. We also have our milk glands and progesterone can unfortunately cause these glands to swell. So basically the swelling and the enlargement of the structures inside our breasts is what is causing us the pain, you know, because they're swelling so much. It's that tightness, that tenderness, because, you know, it can't, you know, expand more than the size of our breasts, if that makes sense. So on that, I'm going to hit you guys with a fun fact right now. I'm actually really excited to share this fact because I love learning new facts that, you know, are something that I didn't know as a teenager. I didn't know as a young girl and like it's actually a scientific word. So when I was researching this episode, I found out that breast soreness as a result, and you know, it's directly related to our periods, actually has a specific name. It's called cyclical nostalgia. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't have the best pronunciation at the best of times, but I think that's so cool. So cyclical nostalgia, like every time I have sore boobs from my period now, I'm going to rip that, you know, definition out. I'd be like, oh, man, this cyclical nostalgia is really messing with my body right now. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's really cool. And please correct me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I would love to be able to pronounce that properly. But cyclical nostalgia, that's the fun fact for the episode. So again, this seems... Oh, Siri, she's just talking so much during this podcast. (laughs) But again, this symptom isn't one that you have to suffer from each month in silence. There are some things you can do to help reduce the tenderness. So let's have a look. 
So firstly, what we can do is we can kind of rejig our wardrobe a little bit when we're experiencing tenderness. So when I say rejig our wardrobe, I'm saying let's, you know, wear clothes that aren't too loose and aren't too tight. It's kind of that annoying fine line where you don't want super tight clothing, like, you know, compression um, bras, sports bras, that kind of thing, Um, you know, because you don't want to compress them too much, but you don't want them to be, you know, loose. You know, you don't want to be wearing no bra at all because when they're not supported, you know, you're getting the jiggling around and that can her so it's that fine line of just that nice not too tight not too loose um clothing that's going to support them but not compress them secondly um what we talked about with our cramping the old heat rule so it isn't just for our uterus um difficulties during our period we can utilize heat packs warm showers and warm compressors like we talked about to help reduce the tenderness in our breasts as well so the warmth Again, what we talked about before helps with reducing the swelling and as it reduces the swelling, it increases that blood flow to the area, being our breast this time, that's going to help ease that pain a little bit. And again, you know, we've got the old over-the-counter medication, which can also help, but you can also just lightly massage your breasts as well. That might be able to help you as well. Cool. So we've covered cramps. We've covered tender breasts. Um, the third symptom I'm going to talk about is the one that I think definitely a lot of us can resonate with, and that is the increases in our hunger. And, you know, I think this is one of those double-edged symptoms, especially when it comes to puberty in adolescence. Because, you know, as young women, we're already subjected to pressures and expectations, which I think are seriously amplified these days with the social media we have now. I really don't envy, I guess, the young people growing up and navigating our um, puberty, navigating changes of their bodies whilst having the strong influence of social media. Like I grew up when social media was kind of taking off a little bit, but definitely not to the severity it is now. And I think like I found it hard then. So I could not imagine having those other influences. Because, you know, we have those accounts, you know, that say unrealistic body expectations. And then when I guess they're being saturated with all those unrealistic body expectations, we're going to throw in some hormones to the big picture, you know, and those hormones are making us feel so hungry. And we're in that weird place where, you know, we're not quite sure what to do with that hunger. Like youth's brains are telling them to, you know, let's stop eating because we want to look like that body on social media. But then our brain is literally telling us, you know, that we're so hungry, like my hormones are playing up. I'm hungry. We need to eat. So it's really, yeah, trying to navigate that weird complex hunger during that time of the month, which is influenced by other factors like social media. And we just we really need to learn to listen to our bodies. So I hope that by talking about why we're experiencing changes in our hunger during our period, we can, I guess, you know, understand them a little better, appreciate them a little bit better and just look at the bigger picture with what's happening to our body and just give ourselves a break and understand that you're not a failure for feeling hungry. Like it's, it's literally just a body process that's happening. All right, so... Changes in our appetite during um, our periods, usually, you know, being that increase in hunger, is generally seen in the second half of the menstrual cycle again. So, you know, the days 14 to 28, but again, it can also be at any time of the month due to how individualized our periods can be. 
And the reasons behind why we experience an increase in our appetite can be for a couple different reasons. One being um, because of the rise in the hormones progesterone, which can actually stimulate our hunger. And, you know, not all, not only do hormones play a role in our increased appetite, another reason is that um, the hormonal changes and what's going on to, in our body during this time can often cause slight changes to our metabolism. Like, did you know that right before the start of our period, so um, when we're bleeding, our body's metabolic rate actually increases a little bit. Like, it's not a huge increase, um, but it is enough to... Um, I guess, require the body to need a bit more calories because on average, you can actually require up to an extra 350 calories to keep our bodies happy during that time. Our bodies are literally insane. Like I'll never stop saying that. Like the hormones have changed our body and it's like demanding more, it needs more energy. So our brain helps us and helps us to realize that we do need to be eating more. Like it kicks off those hunger cues like I I think it's just insane what our body does for us but I guess one of the less physical reasons for our increase in hunger relates to our mood fluctuations which can occur during our period you know it's quite common in women that I think you know when we do sometimes find ourselves a little bit emotional or not feeling too well overall you know it is quite common to sometimes reach for food for that comfort or you know, just for that, um, just to make you feel a bit better, that kind of thing. Because, you know, we may be experiencing mood changes thanks to our hormones relating to our cycles. It can almost uh, kind of like flick that switch of our brains, just, you know, telling us that we need more food because we're not feeling too great. And I seriously want to highlight that hunger is such a complex feeling and need. And it's not as simple as you're hungry, eat, you're not hungry, stop. Like it's, yeah, it's so much more complicated than that. And I think, yeah, I'm really passionate about trying to promote the idea that we need to start working on being less hard on ourselves when it comes to, you know, shaming ourselves and feeling guilt when we feel hungry or when we eat. Again, that is a lot easier said than done, but baby steps, people, we're taking those baby steps to, you know, reach that you know, hunger, freedom, we're all kind of desiring. But when it, um, I guess when it comes to the recommendations to cope with the changes in our hunger during our period, it, it is a bit of a tricky one. Like, I think if you do follow me on social media, you're going to see that a pillar of mine or like a strong passion and focus of mine is promoting the idea, you know, of becoming more in tune with our hunger cues, learning to listen to our body more. You know, for so long, we've been taught to ignore our hunger cues and be proud of hunger, you know. So as I was researching this podcast, I guess you could say I went into it with an open mind because at the end of the day, my motto is to listen to our hunger cues rather than, I guess, trying to find quick fixes to, I guess, like stop us eating and not listen to our hunger cues. So, you know, I guess the biggest thing I can say is, Let's just take a few moments to check in on ourselves and just, you know, we're feeling hungry. Stop, have a listen, see what we're feeling. And, you know, I guess if after checking in, you are, you know, you find yourself definitely hungry, then like bloody eat. It's not just a matter of saying, oh, look, my recommend- recommendation for dealing with increased appetite is to just not eat. Like, come on, like, it's not about that. We need to listen to our bodies. But, you know, I, I did want to give you some recommendations to... I guess, help combat this weird kind of hunger 
um, spiral you experience during your period. So I guess a, another health re- recommendation, which isn't just, you know, listen to your hunger cues, is Sorry. to look at foods um, that are going to make you feel fuller for longer. Like I know we all tend to crave, um, when we're on our periods, the foods that are, you know, more salty, chocolatey foods, kind of stuff like that, which is totally okay. Like I'm all for that. I do that. But if you do want to feel fuller for longer, I would suggest opting for more voluminous foods, like an actual solid meal rather than kind of grazing on snacks. And in that solid meal, I would like I would recommend just having a big, like a nice chunk of protein and a carb source. So I'm thinking, you know, the bread and peanut butter combo um, could be like a frittata or like a stir fry or something like that. That's more of a meal rather than just a snack and just, yeah, has that good balance of carbs and proteins. There is a lot of research as well kind of emerging about what foods we can eat to assist in our period cramping um, and reducing our inflammation. And some of that research is pointing to foods that are rich in fatty acids. So an example of um, foods that are high in fatty acids that might be able to assist with your period cramping um, is foods like salmon, you know, the fatty fish. So I guess I guess the takeaway message from that, though, is to remember to honour your hunger cues. And if you want the damn chocolate, eat the damn chocolate. I wish I had more time to dive into more symptoms. Like, I feel like I could talk about this forever, but I hope that I have helped to shed a bit of light on a topic. A lot of young girls and even the older women um, who didn't have, I guess, someone to talk to or, you know, somewhere to find information our periods, you know, um, are going through. You know, experiences that are often hard to talk about, especially our periods, because of the amount of shame and stigma attached to this area. I, I just really want to stress again that being in pain and feeling like you've lost control when it comes to your period is not normal and it should not and should never be normalised. I think if you can take anything away from this episode, it would be to please confide in someone you trust about what you're experiencing I know that there is help out there to get to the root cause of what is causing you these symptoms. We really need to work together. Come on, like we need to louden our voices when it comes to women's health, including period, including negative symptoms associated with our periods. It's 2021 and our voices are going to be heard when it comes to this stuff. I hope you guys have had a really great week um, and have really taken something away from this podcast. I would love if you could share it with um, younger women, um, family members who might be experiencing some issues with their period. And yeah, I can't wait to bring you next episode as next week's episode as usual. Yeah, have a great week. See you then.